This is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and I invite you to join us now for the conclusion of a message in my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo's series on Heavenly Authority. Pastor has been focusing on the office of the prophet in the New Testament church. And when we left off last time, he had just read Paul's instruction in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19-20. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Here is Pastor Greg Scalzo. The gift of prophecy, Paul makes it very clear. I can't see how that can be explained away. Do not despise prophecies. And he says it to a New Testament church. And the fact that the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed and John completed the book of Revelation in Patmos a few decades later, I don't believe changes this scripture, the application of the scripture for today. Agabus, um, we read about him also later on in the book of Acts. If you look in Acts chapter 21, Agabus, the prophet from Jerusalem that warned about the famine. In Acts chapter 21, Paul and Luke and his companions come to the house of Philip the evangelist in Caesarea. Caesarea is located on the coast. Um, between where modern Haifa is. We hear so much about Haifa and Jerusalem. It's on the coastline between the two. And uh, Philip is the evangelist. Remember, he's one of the seven deacons back in Acts chapter 6 who was appointed over the widow's distribution. He was the one then at at the time of persecution that went and preached um, to Samaria and multitudes were saved, right? He was the one led by the Spirit to preach to the Ethiopian, the Ethiopian eunuch who had great authority, and he takes him and he baptizes him, and then he's taken up and he winds up in Caesarea. Well, they come to his house, and again you read in chapter 21:10, and as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. So he's back. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now when we heard these things, Luke says, both we and those from that place pleaded with him, Paul, not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. He knows what's going to happen, Paul. The Spirit has made it known to him. It's happened earlier in chapter 20 and verse 23. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. He's getting a constant message from the Holy Spirit that he's going to be put in prison. In chapter 21, verse 4, And finding disciples, we stay there seven days. They told Paul through the Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. So Agabus is not the first prophet 
telling Paul about what would happen to him. And Paul has a decision to make, and he decides to go to Jerusalem with the knowledge. And the rest hearing these prophecies is saying, don't go, don't go. But they can't convince him, and they just say then, well, the will of the Lord be done. Agabus takes his belt and binds his own hands and feet as he's given the prophecy. There's a dramatic action, and sometimes um, the Holy Spirit leads the prophet to act out the message. You know, a picture's worth a thousand words, right? And seeing him with, with Paul's belt around his hands bound makes it clearer the owner of this belt will be delivered into the hands of the Gentiles. And that's not something new to the New Testament. The Old Testament, many, many times, the prophets would be called upon to take an action to make the message that much clearer to the people. Isaiah, uh, in Isaiah chapter 20, verse 2, at that time, the Lord spoke by Isaiah, the son of Amos, saying, go and remove the sackcloth. Now you have the sackcloth on, which again is a visible symbol of the prophet. And that austere sternness we were speaking about with John the Baptist. Remove the sackcloth from your body and take your sandals off your feet. And he did so walking naked and barefoot. Then the Lord said, just as my servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot three years for a sign and a wonder against Egypt and Ethiopia, so shall the king of Assyria lead away the Egyptians as prisoners and the Ethiopians as captives, young and old, naked and barefoot, with their buttocks uncovered to the shame of Egypt. Then they shall be afraid and ashamed of Ethiopia, their expectation in Egypt their glory. And the inhabitants of this territory will say in that day, surely such is our expectation. Wherever we flee for help to be delivered from the king of Assyria, and how shall we escape? Surely such is our expectation. In other words, they were counting on Ethiopia and Egypt to help them against Assyria, and he has Isaiah stripped down and walk around naked and barefoot as a proclamation. This is what's going to happen to Egypt and Ethiopia. You're counting on them, but this is what Assyria is going to do to them. And you can imagine for three years, that must have been a dramatic picture for the people uh, in Israel to see of Isaiah. There was an action to go along with the prophecy. Uh, in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 13 and verse 1, uh, Thus the Lord said to me, Go and get yourself a linen sash and put it around your waist, but do not put it in water. So I got a sash according to the word of the Lord and put it around my waist. And the word of the Lord came to me the second time saying, Take the sash that you acquired, which is around your waist, and arise, go to the Euphrates, and hide it there in a hole in the rock. So I went and hid it by the Euphrates, as the Lord commanded me. Very, It sounds very strange when you read some of it, right? Now it came to pass after many days that the Lord said to me, Arise, go to the Euphrates, and take from there the sash which I commanded you to hide there. Then I went to the Euphrates and dug, and I took the sash, from the place where I had hidden it. And there was the sash ruined. It was profitable for nothing. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Thus says the Lord, In this manner I will ruin the pride of Judah 
and the great pride of Jerusalem, this evil people who refuse to hear my words, who follow the dictates of their hearts and walk after other gods to serve them and worship them, shall be just like this sash, which is profitable for nothing. For as the sash clings to the waist of a man, so I have caused the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me, says the Lord, that they may become my people for renown, for praise, for glory, but they would not hear. And so they're going to be delivered over also to the Babylonians and what happens to that sash happens to them, a symbol of what they should have been and what they will become. Dramatically acted out by the prophet Jeremiah. He would do it later on also in chapter 19 with the broken flask. Go get a potter's earthen flask and take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priests and they go down to the valley of the son of Hinnom. They go down to Gehenna, right? And he breaks the flask there and he says that that place will be called the uh, Valley of Slaughter, the Field of Blood, Al-Kadama, right? As he breaks the flask, the potter's vessel, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 19. And it's, very, it's a very dramatic uh, event. In Ezekiel chapter 4, the siege of Jerusalem is portrayed, and poor Ezekiel has to lie on his side. He's like frozen in the spirit he has to lie on the left side for the iniquity of the house of Israel. Uh, and then on the right side, I think for Israel it's 390 days, and then he's forced to lie on his right side for the iniquity of Judah 40 days. He's frozen there on the ground as a sign to the people. Uh, in Zechariah chapter 11, in verse uh, 7, So I fed the flock for the slaughter, I took for myself two staffs, the one I call beauty and the other I call bonds, and I fed the flock. And down in verse 10, he takes the rod, he said in verse 10, I took my staff beauty and cut it in two, that I might break the covenant which I had made with all the peoples. Uh, thus the poor of the flock who were watching me knew that it was the word of the Lord. And then in verse uh, 14, then I cut in two my other staff bonds, that I might break the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. So the breaking of the staves shows the breaking of the covenant and the breaking of the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. So the prophecies are shown by the symbols. And many times these prophets will work with dramatic actions to um, confirm the word of God given to them. Also note in Acts chapter 21, when we speak about Agabus there in verse 10, if you look right up above it, uh, in verse 8, on the next day we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied, right? And we spoke about them and others. I won't go into detail now, but we did it in detail when we studied Deborah in the Old Testament, right? how women can be blessed with the prophetic abilities as Deborah, with the gift of prophecy and as a prophet, the office of a prophet. Miriam had the gift of prophecy, Moses' sister. We read earlier on in the New Testament study about Anna and Elizabeth and Mary having the gift of prophecy. 
and in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 5, but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, uh, for that is one and the same as if her head was shaved. Paul is giving specific instructions that the women should have their hair down, not shorn, when they pray and prophesy in the formal church assembly, which means that women were called to prophesy in the New Testament church. On your men's service, on your maid service, I will pour out my spirit. They will prophesy, it says in Acts chapter 2. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and for the information you give us about this very important office and gift of the Holy Spirit for the New Testament church. And Father, we pray that as we continue the study, we would grow in knowledge about how this gift works in the church. And Father, we pray that as with all the offices and all the gifts, as the church comes back to the book of Acts, as we return full circle to where we should be, Lord God, that you would anoint individuals with these gifts who are truly called to exercise them for the edification of the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With the churches closed because of the coronavirus, Pastor Greg and Associate Pastor Francis David Scalzo have been live-streaming their Sunday messages at 10.30 a.m. on the new Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle YouTube channel. You can search for the channel on YouTube, or you can use the link we have placed on the shi'arjeshub.org homepage. Please join us next time for Shi'ar Jashub.